Today on our show, we are counting down 10 of our most recent watches. The top 10 last ten. Top 10 last ten with thanks to the Cine Realist for the wonderful idea. Nice. Hit it, Polly. Welcome to episode 453 of the Countdown Podcast. My name's Wayne. My name is Paul. Welcome to the show. We count down stuff in order of awesomeness so you don't have to. And today, top 10 last 10. 10 films we've recently seen, not linked by any genre or Nothing. criterion that you can think of. It's just we've seen them and we're going to put them from worst to best. And we'll tell you along the way where we cross that line from don't recommend to do recommend you check it out. As everyone comes into their end of the year 2023. That's right. Everyone's talking about gonna... the worst and best of said year. And as mentioned, this comes from the great folk at the Sydney Realist Podcast who let us use their idea all those years ago and probably regretting it now. <laughs> <laughs> We're still going fucking all these years later. Is that man newsletter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Pretty straightforward. Uh, you know, if you're a regular listener to the show, we do this every 10 to 12 episodes and here we are again. If you're new to the show, welcome. It's wonderful to have you here. Hello. Come back in the next month to check out the best and worst of TV and film through the course of the year. But let's get into it then with a segment which kicks off most every show. It's called The Recount. Who wants a recount? Who? The recount is our mail room, and Paul, what mail did we get in the room? Quite a bit this week that I want to go into, and let's just get it out of the way with the pain that was the absolute shellacking way that you gave me for oh. the top 10 films which would not get made today. Really? I do have to own to the fact that <laughs> when the vote was apparently 30 to 7 when you were winning, I, in trying to, with oh, fucking Facebook's ridiculous, which I can now see, by the way, the, no, if I click on 15 votes, it just disappears. So the only way to see the votes is by clicking on this little tiny arrow next to all the names. Mm. If you have fat fucking fingers like I do, mm. it's right next to the X, which deletes the vote See, option. See, this is what we call bad UX. Ridiculous. Anyway, so you had another nine votes. I have no idea if these people voted twice. So I'm just going to give you 39 votes, Wayne, to my 13. Okay. So an absolute shellacking. It smashed me from pillar to post. That was and once you know why one. you won? I, I, think, I think you got a bit of a tail. I think the worm has turned. I think you won the last two or three. It'll turn again. Matt Rochelle said, Wayne's plot summary of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers was epic. <laughs> There's a bit of a theme here. Although, no, I'm not going to read Julio. Julio, you don't get your feedback read out when you make a point of saying your list was shit. You didn't do <laughs> and then later on, you go and press the button that says Wayne and then laugh about it. So, no. <laughs> Uh, Brianna Petty said, have to go, Wayne. That deep cut of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers shook me. That movie is bonkers. It's so weird. Yep. <laughs> Jay Talbot said, I was a kid when I watched Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and I still knew it was a really fucked up movie. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> Tip this over the fence to me. Otherwise, a close call vote for Wayne. There you go, old man. And B Dizzle from We Watch The Thing said, I have I hate to tip the scales even further towards Wayne. Good God, what a massacre. But as a kid in a family of musical lovers, I was forced to watch Seven Brides for Seven Brothers multiple times and so am voting for Wayne purely out of the hope that that movie would never Ever be made again. No one's ever making that again. <laughs> uh, Troy Spinner, the man, puts a list together and puts them up there for everyone to read. So my vote is also for Wayne. For you guessed it, Seven Brides and Seven Brothers. The movie, despite all the other problems, is ass and <laughs> deserves to be on his, this list, not on the National Bloody Film Registry. It's so weird that everyone's seen it. You guys are all younger than me as well. It's an old <laughs> Everybody movie. Everybody heard of the thing. No, it's old. Uh, and then lastly, Min Harker, aka Dan, said, Wayne almost got there for Seven Brides, but then pissed it away with a ring in which Johnny Knoxville was 100% the butt of every joke. Vote for Paul. <laughs> Hey, if someone voted for exactly. me, is take what it, I want to say it. there. Now, staying in the Facebook list community, links in the show notes, get involved in the discussions there. I want to give a quick shout out here to a couple of things. Mm. One is, I'll forget it next week when we will do the 
votes for the top 10 music yours, which just released at the time of this recording. But you got called to task by Lee Allen Thomas. He said, Welsh, Wayne, Catatonia are Welsh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All I knew is that they're really white people. So I, I, you got me. <laughs> so you extrapolated and went, what's the whitest of white, white folks? Scottish. <laughs> well, they are often brangers. <laughs> <laughs> chick's not even a ranger. What are you talking about? Hey! These are broad strokes, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Really broad. <laughs> All right, well, and then lastly, I want to do well, two more things actually. I want to shout out here on the recount segment today, a little bit of a longer one than usual. Josh Raglan, patch of the show, who goes and puts together Countdown Scavenger Hunt every year yeah. over on Letterboxd. If people want to get involved in that, that will be coming out very shortly for 2024. People completing their 2023 scavenger hunts. Very impressive. As we speak. So well done to everyone who's managed to do that. Josh puts a short list and a longer list together. So he really caters to all. Thank you so much, Josh. He said, John Kidd. Another member of the community is a righteous dude. He said, this is such a fun community of folks. Not only do we talk about movies and sometimes TV and all kinds of other interesting and thought-provoking topics, but we make friends. After discovering we're both craft beer enthusiasts, Mr. Kidd and I have been mailing beer back and forth from breweries that are unique to our part of the US. We've done this six or seven or so times now, and I received my most recent box of awesomeness today. Well, being the season of peace, love and giving, John decided to add a little Christmas cheer in with my molten hop cheer. It included a very nice handmade ornament that is now adorning the family Christmas tree. It is a gingerbread man who's been impaled on a, <laughs> at a candy stick. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which I is saw this. pretty damn funny. So, in all seriousness, John, you have for sure made the season a little brighter and I appreciate it. And just a lot of love there. Isn't I just want to show lovely? how amazing that two people who otherwise never would have met have now come together and are trading gifts like that. It's just awesome. And that's what you get as part of the Lister community, that kind yes, of experience. Thank exactly. you, Josh. And thank you, Jonathan, for, uh, for what you've done in our little community. I mean, alcoholism really has got a bad rap. Yeah. Look, you know, I think it's craft fine. Beer, craft beer. There you go. It's good. <laughs> I don't know. You're not on that I'm about to, I'm about to, Yeah, well, I would love to, but Actually, obviously Australia, the yeah. postage yeah, between exactly. countries might be a little bit, a little bit too rich for all concerned. And then lastly, the sad part of this, and I, uh, where do I put it? Do I put it at the end? I don't know. Go ahead. Do I, put it? It I know what you're talking about. Just drop it in. We lost one of the greats during the course of the week. One of my absolute favorite actors who owned the screen in what I think is his best role, though people say Homicide Life on the Streets. I remember Homicide Andre Life on Brower the Andre Brower has left this world after a short battle with cancer, I believe, at 61 years old. Too young. Too young. Ridiculously. So today, in honor of... Andre and Captain Holt. We've been playing a lot of to Wayne's absolute oh, delight. Fucking hell! Can we leave the man alone? A lot of this, and, and here is my shout out to you, Andre and Captain. Vindication. You can also expect a fair bit of this whenever Wayne does a stupid joke. Time for oh, the next fuck level. Fuck off! <laughs> You're such a clown. You know what? <laughs> I think Mr. Brewer would be very upset with you Brower. just throwing shit on him. No, this I'm not trying to shoot on him. I'm throwing shit on you. Yes, but by honouring he, uh, I think you should go fuck yourself <laughs> and maybe eat all the dicks in the world if you can. All right, oh, damn. <laughs> God, looking forward. I apologise in advance, everyone. At least. All right, let's get into it then. Uh, look, let's not even do a music cue, Wayne, because I've got to find a song for this. Fuck films. it, let's do it. Let's go, Wayne. Let us away. What is your tenth worst slash best film, <laughs> the, the worst film you've seen in recent times, which you are not review- you are recommending to anyone at all? Absolutely not, and I'll tell you why. Paul, I've been the victim of the classic dupe by, well, the streaming services. Now, do you remember some time ago, Paul, I mentioned in what seemed to be obscure to me, French film called The Three Musketeers d'Artagnan, right? Yes. And I said, this one's got like all these actors in it, like all these like wicked mm-hmm. cool guys. Did you see it? Well, Paul, I went on Amazon Prime and saw The Three Musketeers 2023. And I'm like, oh, wicked. It's on it's Amazon here. Prime. And I click it. 
And I'm like, here we go. Has it got Eva, Eva Green in it? No. Has it got Vincent Cassell? No. Then you watch. Yes. You've been done by the asylum or someone there similar. Here's what happened, Paul. <laughs> I'm watching it and I'm like, f- from the very get-go. First of all, it is the Three Musketeers show, movie, whatever, story, right? And meanwhile, there is a set of producers out there right now who are going, Vindication! Oh, oh, That's so annoying. All right, so... Uh, it's like fuel to my fire. You can eat some dicks. I'm going to piss in your fucking coffee. All right, so... <laughs> all right, so... It's not like the Disney ones where the Musketeers are separated, or celebrated, I should say. Um, this is this takes place after when they're all, like they're all just like France is in fucking turmoil and whatever. When but, isn't France in fucking turmoil? Exactly, exactly. But this <laughs> shots fired. <laughs> you have no idea. Wait, <laughs> my whole, my list has a theme this time. Okay. Paul. This the from the very get go, and this is how I know we've been watching movies since the beginning of time for us, right? Okay. Initial fight scene. It's just like a bunch of people running through a forest and they encounter an older guy um, who is actually a well-known actor. His name's James Cosmo. You know him? Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. From, he's from Braveheart. Yes. That's the only star this thing has. He fights off these two soldiers and it is the most lame fucking Wayne's World 2 looking fight scene I've <laughs> ever seen. All right? It's like, holy shit. And just the way it's filmed, the way the camera is not moving, the way the actors are just lumbering around and the way they're giving their lines, I'm like, this is a piece of shit. Did anyone at any point in this film, do they all in unison go, Porthos the pirate? Oh! No, it wasn't the, it wasn't the Disney one and there was no Oliver that Platt. That film fucking sucks, that dude. That film... That one was better than this one, Paul, because let me tell you, this film's like oh, a... Now we have a song to go on, all for one. I want the fucking oh, shit with Brian Adams that and was Rod gr- Stewart. Sting? It was fucking Sting. great, bro. Oh, anyway, sorry. This one here is it's like... Yeah, that's how it goes. And this is that's exactly how it goes. Um, <laughs> but literally, within the first 20 minutes of the film, I'm like, this might be the most horrendous thing I've ever... Have you ever it looks like some, looks like one of us directed it, mm-hmm. right? Hey, oh, oh, hey, oh, Actually, oh, you know hey. what? Right, we would have done a better job yeah. because, frankly, all the people... It's all it's like a BBC production, but a bad one. Mm. Um, so everyone is like... It's one of those ones so where everyone... Did, when you went to watch this, Wayne, yeah. did you see the colon that comes after the Three nah, Musketeers, nah, D'Artagnan? Nah, I didn't see it at all. Should have clued you in. I know. But here's the thing. About 30 minutes in, I'm like... Oh, this is actually, I knew it pretty, pretty, but I was like, oh, well, I'll just make this my worst film ever on okay. the list, right? So I kept watching it. All I can tell you is that everyone is using their British accent. So it doesn't matter that you're in France or you're French, fine. The D'Artagnan character is just shit. The Milady character is a fucking horse of a woman. <laughs> She's just horrendous. And I'm like, no one's falling for you, Milady. And it is literally at almost every five minutes, I'm like, just shut it off. Just shut it off and say you, you watched doing? it. I know. I'm doing it for the show. And I, I will admit to you, at the the, the third act, I, I just I just started skipping a yep. bit. It Fair was uh, heavy handed because it was so shit. If you see this on Amazon, The Three Musketeers 2023, Steer well clear. just glide right past it, people. It's one of the worst looking things I've ever seen. Fair enough. Absolutely. Awful B movie. BBB. Fair enough. Well, I have to explain something here. None of my films make my top 10 of the year. At this point in time, there's two weeks left as we're time of recording or worst 10 films of the year. So I deliberately steer clear of anything too hyperbolic shit or too amazingly awesome. Although arguably my number one would have been in my list had it been from this year. Hmm. So my number 10 film... The worst in my list is a two-star film. Normally, I have the one-star or the half-a-star sure, banger sure. in here. So well, that's I don't, a good collection then. I don't... Yeah, so it's it's a solid list... But and I've got a couple of two stars, then I get to two and a half stars and go from there. So you might not hear the same venom you often get from me in these episodes. But hold on to your horses because next week we're doing the worst shows of TV of the year. Bring it on. It's coming then in spades. 
My number 10 is a film called Something in the Dirt, directed by Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson, who've been doing work on Loki and hmm. doing work in Marvel recently, but they made films called Spring and The Endless, and I'm missing another one off the top of my head. Right. So I'm now skipping straight to... Oh, yeah, they did Moon Knight episodes. Oh, Synchronic, which we did for the show with Anthony Mackie and Jamie Dorn. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember so that. That's this kind of film. This is their... We're bored during the pandemic, and so we put something together, and it's really fucking terrible. What, like, kind, of, what kind of film is it, Paul? It's basically two sort of down and outers living in a piece of shit LA apartment complex. Mm-hmm. Apartments, too strong a word. It's like you know, five stories high. It's yep. not the tenement building type mm-hmm. thing. And they start seeing one of their sort of supernatural kind of events in one of their rooms. Okay, like light shining in this weird way, and it's so fucking boring. <laughs> it is 116 minutes long. The acting is fine. It gets it to two stars. Yeah. Otherwise, the story here is a one-star film. So, is the genre like supernatural thriller in in brackets? What is, what is? Let me go straight to Letterbox here. Sci-fi, comedy, horror, mystery. There's nothing horrific about this. There's yep. nothing scary about it. They're puzzled and a little bit freaked out, but that's the extent of it. It tries to build this sort of ominous tone halfway through the film. It just falls completely flat. Is there anyone in it that we know? It's just the two of them. They're playing themselves. Well, not themselves. Oh. They're playing characters. Oh, oh, they're the... Oh. Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson are literally in this Oh, film yeah, they're bored. Because they were do- doing this during the pandemic. So it was all in one room and Pretty no one much. could get out there kind of thing. fuck yeah, all other people right. in the film. Yeah, it's yeah. It screams low budget. It's not inventive. It's not clever. <laughs> How do you even hear about it? And it ends... Because re- I follow these guys. I'm, oh, yeah, okay. I'm interested in their yeah, careers. Right. And the fact that they've now unfortunately become Marvel kind of shield although that Loki episode was okay. Yeah, look, just not worth your time. It's 116 minutes. This film, if it had to be told, should have been done in 80 minutes. It's that kind of movie. Yeah, okay. Yeah, too much uh, time on your hands in the pandemic. We've all been there, but none of us made a movie. No. All right, fair enough. Some people did, but a lot better than this. Yeah, exactly. Mm. All right, number nine for me is the Expendables. Expendables 4, right? Where they put a four on the damn year. Wayne, there's a reason why. (laughs) I'm not talking about that one today. It's because I'm talking about it again <laughs> in the next month. Well, in that case, I'm going to just give you a little taste, ladies and gentlemen. But I'm um, very glad to hear it's low on your list and not something higher up. All right. Good God. Now, first of all, Expendables 4 is not a movie I would have watched on my own. I was I was watching with someone at their request. And um, it does have... What kind of massive requested to watch? I mean, we all pressed play and I was on a plane. So. Well, that's your excuse. Yep. I mean, like, but uh, anyway, this one's Jay Stay, Dolph Lundgren, Randy Couture, Sly, for a bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fitty Cent is in it. Megan Fox, Tony Jaa, a bunch of people. Okay, oh, okay. but Andy Garcia is, is I the best. Is in this one too? I always is in yep. this one. I Sorry, I yes. always. That's right. Oh. <laughs> hey now, hey now. <laughs> there you go. That's your fucking song. So. <laughs> I don't even want to necessarily tell you about this because I want Paul to expand on it, but all I can tell you is this. The Expendables were never a thing for me, right? No, it's, the it's first a terrible one, franchise. The first one was like something... The first one was like, oh, this could be amazing. This is like the fucking... It should have been amazing. The Justice Paul. League of, of action film. Uh-huh. Like, the but, idea was amazing. Like, let's bring all these action stars together. They're going to run off and do a mission together. Someone's going to get killed. It's going to be bloodthirsty. It's going to be violent. It's going to be cool moves and shit. Well, there was none of that. I'll tell you this. <laughs> the first Expendables, there were actual scenes where Sly did like a, a stunt and it looked dangerous. And I found out later on that he actually had a cracked vertebra as a result of right. it. So okay. he really, like, he threw himself into it, right? At least. And the first one was like, okay, you know, two and a half Bruce stars. Willis. And, you know, it's like, yeah, exactly. It's gone downhill from there, ladies and gentlemen. The, oh, man. I don't think I even watched the third one. I was so incensed by the second one. The third one, or was it the second one? Which one was the one with Van Damme in it? I don't know. Anyway, I saw that in a fucking movie cinema in Thailand because we were waiting for our flight to come home. Yep. 
Yep, fair right? enough. So anyway, this one here is just the most disposable. Like the the, the new guy is Fifty Cent because apparently Fifty Cent is old now. That means and also, that means we're what old fucking Paul. action shit has he been in? Nothing. He got shot eight times. I don't know, right? So it's just <laughs> that shit. Okay. <laughs> damn. So, but this film here, right? Literally, this is how they introduce any new character, like Fifty Cent's character. Is this the new guy? That's it. That's all of it. No fucking background. No nothing. He's got. Who is he? Why is he called Easy Day? All this sort of shit, right? It is so unnecessary, this film, that it doesn't even bother coming up with characters. It no. just has people turn up. Nope. Right? So, all I can tell you is that, apart from it being really weird, they have, the movie has one gambit that it might have played, but then it turns it off at the end. Like, it kind of, it gives in at the end. I'll, I, I'm just going to say these words now, Wayne. Yeah, go on. To summarize what you're uh, dancing around. This is insultingly stupid, this movie. Yep. This is like, you don't care about plot. Don't think about it one iota. Just go with us. The problem is your film's too shit to just go with. Yeah. It's not good enough in any level. Jason Statham's trying hard. He's the centerpiece he, now. Jason Statham is the star of this show. Yeah. Because and and he's still of an age where he can still throw his stuff, body around. And and he's still nailing Megan Fox and you know, yeah, stuff like that. You know, you know me. <laughs> I see a pair of thick, weighty breasts and all logic flies out the window. Well, to, 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 to take that point. Wayne's life. <laughs> Well, the thing is, Megan Fox is in this, and I can't remember from the last one, but the way they play her nah, character... she wasn't in the last one. Yeah, the, 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 the way they play action, her character... She's an action star now. Uh, so they say, but Teenage Mutant so Ninja Turtles, baby. But like, the way they play her character is like, I'm supposed to know that she's and like she's like she's always been Maybe there. she was in number three. She right? wasn't. I no, checked no, it. Okay. She wasn't. So it's just a really... It's just a piece of shit. I don't know no. why this was made, all right? Oh, because I think they can make money out of it. Oh, and also, and, and the thing you're hinting around. Yeah. So, Sly alone, his name's all over the poster. He's the guy who created this. He's the basically the brains behind it. He's just shopped himself out of the film at the 15 minute mark. <laughs> For real, he's just out of it, right? So it's not even really him. And I'll tell you this, uh, with, without getting exploring anything, the bad guy has this plan at the end, which makes no fucking sense. Like I said it's insultingly stupid. I'm like, what? What exactly is your objective here, my friend? Um, there are, there what are things in films that don't make sense, and I love to point them out. But this film, there's not even any point starting that discussion. What it is? What's offensive is they didn't even try and explain. Yes. It. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is this? We will, so, talk, we will talk about it in more detail. Yes, I'm gonna leave it to you. But yeah, there's my number nine: Expoffordables. Yeah. <laughs> Arguably the cleverest fucking thing about that film. Literally the best thing about the film. Wayne, on our last top ten last thing, you spoke about this film, but I thought I should come back to bring it back out again because I hadn't seen it at that point in time. And unfortunately, I 100% agree with you because here it is at my number nine. It's Wes Anderson's Asteroid City. Right? Yeah. I liked the one before. So I can't remember what it was called. The French Dispatch, I think. Yeah, you. Li- I also didn't like and that I one. Really but I really liked was... the Grand Budapest. Hotel. That one was my favorite of the whole lot. Yeah, that was really good. And we go all the way back to Bottle Rocket. I like that movie too. Yep. I haven't seen most of the other ones and I had planned to watch them all because I'm like, I like all three of his films. I don't, none of them made me get up and, and charge out to the, to the video store which doesn't exist anymore and hire all his films. But none of them made me go seeking them. But I really should make an effort here because I like his sensibility. As do I. And here, that sensibility remains. I still like the sideways tracking the, shots. The, 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 what's that called? Oh, yeah, we're trucking. It. Trucking, trucks, yeah. Trucks. I so still I, like that. That's the best thing about the I film. I love how everything is very framed in a particular way and everything's, what's the word? I'm He's a weird. careful it's, filmmaker. It's perfectly kind of centered yeah. and whatever. So I really like all that kind of stuff. I don't much care for the fact these characters are all very emotionless. Yeah. That takes some getting used to. But what really kind of threw me is, one, this film really goes nowhere. Yeah. The, the it kind film- of starts in an intriguing way. Yes. And halfway through, I was on board. And then I looked down, I'm like, this is not a long film. This is not a 150-minute film. But 50 minutes like in it. and fuck all has happened. Do you know why? Because it devolves into a collection of scenes. 
As opposed to a narrative. And there's this wraparound thing where we're going back to Edward Norton as the writer of this play that's being shown. Yeah. And he gets in a relationship with the main actor. Well, fine, that, that's all fine. But it doesn't go anywhere. No, and, and he's acting out sort of scenes from the real yeah. thing, which you then see, which might be interesting if it went somewhere. But it didn't do that. It just kind of ends. And I'm like, that's it? Yeah, and you know what's offensive? Not offensive. Well, look, here's what it is. Here is the signs of a filmmaker who's a little too, fuck, a touch too happy, uh, uh, keen on himself. Yeah, yeah, I you agree. He's like, I'm just going to do these cool looking things, right? And then it's like, yeah, but then that's not a movie. It's more like a slideshow. The cast you know I mean? is absolutely incredible. Clearly Everyone people wants want to work. to work with Wes Anderson and that also a saving grace. They're doing what they can in that world in which high emotion is not allowed so, nor a thing. That is, which is weird. This is the thing. If you remember, because Bottle Rocket, right? You and I saw that on LaserDisc Laser right? back in the day. We had, no, we had no idea who Wes Anderson was. Mm-hmm. We just thought yeah, he was this that guy. That was his debut film. Right? So he comes in. He goes, we didn't even know who the Wilsons were. All that sort of stuff came in. Now, that movie is great because of its quirkiness and all of that shit. But it still was an actual movie. It wasn't so stylized. It was just charming is what it was. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what he's got going for him. This wasn't that because it's just like actors playing actors. It's I don't know. It didn't work out. So yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I must admit, Fantastic Mr. Fox, it's okay. I didn't like Isle of Dogs very much. So I guess I am middling overall. But I haven't seen Moonrise Kingdom. I haven't seen Royal Tenenbaums. I haven't seen The Jarling Limited. I haven't seen Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. I, I started that or and going. Yeah, I haven't seen all of those. So either. I'm not a Wes Anderson expert by any stretch of imagination, but I thought this was his poorest film thus far, So which is a little bit disappointing. Hence why it's one number nine. Asteroid, Asteroid City. City. Nice one. My number eight is a film that you kind of recommended to me during a show Uh-oh. one time. Um, Rot-roll. Rot-roll. It's actually Heart of Stone. Oh, okay. Do you remember right. this? Yeah. No, I, 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 I'm, in the, I'm in a world of my... Seemingly, everyone hates this. I gave it three stars. This you know what? Clear. I didn't give it four or five, four and a half or anything like that. I agree. The, this is actually... I actually... Mm, I'm recommending. I don't know that... Uh, you know what? If you're looking for some just fairly standard action fare, this is a perfectly serviceable spy movie. There right? you go. So, not going to make any top 10 spy films list. It's not. And frankly, I forgot about most of it. But yep. like, it's got Gal Gadot in it. And she's playing Rachel Stone, Heart of Stone, right? Uh, and she's an intelligence op. She's the uh, some woman who stands between... Some, it's a powerful global peacekeeping organization, yeah, I, that I kind liked, of thing. I liked the, the double blind early on. Because I didn't know anything about this movie. I didn't read Me a single neither. review. And I liked the fact that she's part of MI5. And she's staying in the car, girl. Don't come out of the car. And then it turns out actually she's another secret organization. Who's within them? I like that. I'm not, yes. I know we're vaguely spoiling. This is all in the first fifteen minutes of the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a good thing about it because you're initially playing off like she's oh you got to protect her, but it turns out mm. she's the biggest badass. Yep. And um, and I like the way that gets gets kept secret. And then what happens? And I won't spoil this because halfway through the film, what happens to other characters? Shall I say? Yes. I liked all that stuff. And yeah, I was. Mm. Yeah. And you know, Fifty Shades of Grey and stuff is in there yep. and stuff, and he's doing all sorts of things. But like. I've got this note here. Opening credits are a bit weird and shitty, though. Like weird animation and crappy music, so much so that it made me wonder if this was one of the reasons people shat on it. It's okay. not... Maybe it's valid criticism. It's not the piece of shit that everyone says it is. The production is good. There's a Tony Stark computer interface thingy that's in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, not wonderful dialogue. We'll say that. Yeah, fair. Right? Um, the plot goes in a couple of ways that I didn't expect. Glenn Close is in it. Yeah, I think um, I had this at like four or five on my list, which goes to show either my list is way worse than yours this week. No, I've, or... got, a, I've got a couple on top of this that I just liked a bit more, but That's only fair. because, but like this is, look, it's all right. It's not great. It's not a piece of shit. Uh, the Indian girl in it is an idiot though. I will tell you that. There's like the, her character, fucking idiot. Anyway, 
You, you could do a lot worse than Heart of Stone if you're just on your Christmas break and want to watch something. Yeah, it's a bit of, of that. It was my number five. So yeah. last time. All right. So you're already at the point of almost, almost. Yeah, maybe. I'd, I'd say this isn't wrong, but I'm not going to. You know, when I recommend something, it's like this is the shit. So uh, that's why it's the only reason it's not I recommend. Well, I'm certainly recommending my number eight. Which is the new Hercule Poirot. Oh, I saw that. Film A Haunting in Venice. Mine's way higher. Wow, <laughs> really? But again, that's all relative. And I know right? why. I know why you had this higher. Because best thing about this movie is Kenneth Branagh as playing the star, Hercule. 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 Yeah. Hercule. Hercule. I'll stop doing that now. I'll just say yeah, we should Hercule stop doing Poirot. Uh, he, Poirot. Poirot. <laughs> Poirot, I can't. All right, go on. Sorry, Dina Bogan, <laughs> channeling out to the fore there. No, is is the direction like he's really working overtime with he the visual? Really, movement. really, is. almost where it calls. I would almost argue too much attention to itself because it detracts from the rest, which it needed to because the rest of the film was fucking bogged down. <laughs> average. The mystery here is stupid. Like, I could I give any less of a fuck? Whereas I thought Death on the Nile, I was kind of drawn in and I kind Death of... Death on the Nile a lot of like tracking long shots. Yeah, like, yeah, like This one is like twisting the camera through yes, corridors. He's yes. really trying to make this one location more exotic than it is, well, even though it's already in Venice and it's sinking and blah, blah, blah. So... Well, this is the this is the, uh, the, the blurb. He's now retired and living in self-imposed exile in the world's most glamorous city. Is it? Venice. Yeah. Poirot now reluctantly Hence attends... the title. <laughs> No, but is Venice the most glamorous? It's well, sinking. Mate, well, you know. Apparently it smells still, like a dick as well. So anyway. Still there 60 years later or 70 years after this film was made. Uh, Perhaps set. you're right. Perhaps you're right. Anyway, Poirot reluctantly attends a seance at a decaying, haunted palazzo. And he soon gets thrust into a sinister world of shadows and secrets when obviously someone gets capped. Hot damn! There you are. Now, here's why I watched it, Paul, right? <laughs> but, but not shot, just to be clear. Yeah, yeah, no, not at all. Um, because the, the working theory in this film is, at least that's what some of the characters want you to believe, is that the ghosts of the kids who previously died there are doing it. Here exactly. is an interesting thing about this film, and I almost, you almost can't talk about it. It's a murder mystery, it's very hard to spoil it, so I, maybe I just can't say it, but this film plays fast and loose <laughs> with what's real and what's not. Uh, yes, it does. But but before you even get there, right? If you look at the trailer for this film, the trailer looks quite good for one yeah, of these films. Look, and I like because it Death looks like more than I like Murder on the Orient Express. So I was hoping that this upward trend would continue. Yes, well, I thought it would actually particularly um, like kind of appeal to you because it looks a little bit like a horror. Yeah, yeah, right. It's, it's definitely more. It kind of is more set that, up. Yeah, it's a bit more that way. It's not a horror, but it's more that way in mm-hmm. this film. And the fact that the one thing that they are getting to you, it's like. You know, Poirot, who's all about his logic and I can explain everything and I see patterns and this and that. <laughs> right? He's... <laughs> he doesn't actually do that. Um, he's, he's set upon with, look... He does. <laughs> now we've got, like, you know, there's a supernatural element in it and it's up to him to try and disprove it, but even he's having doubts. That's the most interesting part about it. The filming of it, with its Dutch angles and this and that, that's the best thing about it. And mm-hmm. actually, Agreed. I actually was looking at it I was going, you know what? Yes, you're right. It's overt, but it's very cool. And I was like, this is dour, dark, but then it became a little bit boring. And I really... Oh, did it ever. The middle part of the film is so fucking yeah, boring. Yeah, and I don't buy Kenneth Branagh's French accent. I'm sorry. I think it's shit. So, anyway... I think it's the best of the. Th- I think it's the best of the three, but that's not really saying much. I thought I like Death and Nile better, maybe right. because of the mystery, the way it worked out. I I had clocked to at least part of it. I think you were just happy to see Army Hammer in his last role. <laughs> uh, no, probably more happy to see Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot, anyway. yeah, yeah. But okay. no, look seriously. I think this film 
it's back at the murder on the Orient Express level. I just thought, eh, I was very, very two and a half star, completely middling. Like I said, nothing in my film is reprehensibly terrible. Yeah. In my list, I sorry. actually don't get why they made three of these films because well, well, Orient Express money. was shit. They keep making money, man. I don't why. understand. Anyway, yeah. So there you go. So yeah, we're gonna, is it higher on your list, is it? Yeah, it's higher on the list. I liked Hardestone way more than I liked this movie because it was way more fun. Perhaps you're right. Maybe maybe I was sick when I did this. List. No, 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 no. <laughs> you're enti- absolutely entitled to your opinion. I don't mean to argue with that. I'm just saying. I'm just for me. That's why that film was better than this one. Absolutely. No, I get it. I get it. So yes, nice one. Uh, so right. what do you got your... for your number seven? Number seven. Okay, this is an odd one, everyone. It's not quite a documentary, and it's not quite a. Um, I don't really know. It's a film for sure because it was released in the cinemas. But oh, it's okay. from a. There's a book that I quite enjoyed. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yep. Uh, written, written by Mark Manson. Seen it at the airports that I yeah. wander through. It's actually a wonderful book. And I'm not saying it has all of life's answers, but it is a, a nice fresh take on just living your life, how okay. you think, how you activate. This is a movie version of that book-ish. What it is, is uh, Mark so Manson. It. It's actually called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a okay. F, 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 yep. F, right? And, F star, um, star, star. Yeah, and so it is actually a really interesting... Like, here's the thing. If you've read the book, you're sort of seeing... A, an aspect of that book in this movie where he's telling you about kind of just how people think and how you, you know, a lot of different things about it. But it's really about the fact that uh, he tells this story about Metallica had this member, which was, his name was Dave Mustaine. He wrote all the, all of the Metallica's hits and stuff. Early on. Early on. Then James Hetfield and him didn't like each other. So James Hetfield just said, fuck off. And literally woke him up with a bus ticket and said, fuck off. Right. He then goes back and says, I'm going to, I'm going to create another band to fuck on Metallica. And he creates Megadeth. Right. Ah, okay. Has a massive, huge front, like really big success, but was never quite as big as Metallica. That's fair. And as a result, he could never be happy because he gave too many fucks about the wrong thing. I.e., he couldn't see any of his okay. yes, and the whole movie about is not so about the movie's that. about that. No, not that. It's but that that idea that you, when you give too many fucks so about something. So, what is the movie about then? It's literally him giving kind of advice about how not. Oh, so it's a documentary. It's a documentary, uh. but it's how not to give a fuck. But it's only three things that you should give a fuck about, which he talks about. So it's an interesting enough show. Um, well, I'll give you three things Wayne doesn't give a fuck about. <laughs> Good taste. <laughs> Saying um. Oh, did I say um a thousand times? Yeah. Sorry, can't. Um. <laughs> We'll see how many I edit out. Don't but edit I, any out. But I guarantee you, <laughs> guarantee you, it will sound better than it did when I just fucking heard. Ah, I saw Paul's face changing as I'm talking. And I'm like, I did something, but I'm not sure and what the, it is. <laughs> and the third thing is fucking ranking things in wrong fucking. No, according to his heart, you don't, give a, you don't give a fuck about that. So good on you. There you go. See, it's one of the things you don't give a fuck about. So yes, an interesting enough show. But yeah, you'll learn something. All right, very nice. My number seven then is a film which I wonder if you've seen Wayne. I don't think you've spoken about it on the show but it's kind of like the poor cousin that no one gives a fuck about to the big short it's dumb money oh i saw that you didn't like it it's very very middling oh again God, so much higher on my list. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, now, now we're just talking about basically taste and there's no arguing that like i liked whatever you had hardstone way more than this movie because i had dumb fun with it exactly ironically given the name of this film and this is directed by Craig Gillespie, who I think is an excellent director, but he has neutered in this film. Really? Go back and have a look at I, Tonya, how good that movie looks. Go oh, is it that at, guy? Go have a look at Cruella, how good that movie looks. Mm. This film is boringly shot. It's a dialogue film. There's lots of TikTok videos spliced in. Otherwise, it's non-memorable at all from a visual standpoint. Can we tell the folks what it's about? Yeah, so it's about the Wall Street kind of, the GameStop 
stock. Well, you'll do better than me with this. That's right. Basically, when the buyers of it, so they, they shorted it. Yeah. So and long- the buyers jumped on it thinking it will survive in the pandemic era. Well, it was run by Wall Street Bets, the Reddit group. Go, you take yeah, it, please. Okay. You're so, going to do a much better job than me. Yeah. Long story short, GameStop, the company, was floated. Everyone took a dim view of it because everyone downloads their games now. And GameStop actually sells literal physical copies yeah, of stuff. Yeah, okay. Makes sense. Stuff. So this it, was around the time of the pandemic, so I'm right. not sure why that changed anything, but it did. It did, because people didn't go into the store. Yep. So even more reason why it was probably going to go not, down. Yeah, okay. Yes. Now, if you're a hedge funder, there's something you can do, which uh, is to short the stock. And that means that you kind of borrow money against what you are betting that the stock price will go down to. When it goes down to that, you actually sell and you make money on the deal. Most people, i.e. people like you and I who are not in a hedge, who are not running a hedge fund. Correct. We, if we invest in that thing, Wall Street calls us dumb money because we're not mm-hmm. in a hedge fund and we're just investing in stocks speculatively. Now, what Wall Street bets the Reddit group did is led by Paul Dano's Keith by, Gill. Yep, led by this guy. Basically saying, I think they've they've got that wrong. I think GameStop's going to work. That's right. And so what he did was he started buying and he started asking everyone else to buy. And all of these people started putting in whatever money they had and it pumped the stock price up. What that does to the hedge fund is it makes them lose billions mm-hmm. because they're betting against it going up, but it went way up. And it then becomes a case of, oh, when do I sell? And this sort of shit. And this is that actual story. And there's all these Reddit threads and the like in this thing where you just got to hold hold because if you sell yeah then, then, then the price goes down again yes so it's like no we want to not do that because it be literally trying to make more and more money the longer we hang on to this. exactly as uh, long as you all stay the course right but once it peaks and people start selling you've got to sell on that spot or yeah. everything goes down yeah yeah right? and, then look, and also if it was me it's pretty simple the day it went maybe i'd let it go two days down okay i lost a few hundred thousand maybe a few thousand dollars mm. about the money i would have put in now i get out but and most people, some of the, most people did that. Some people, including this vlogger Keith Gill, who's since mm. disappeared off the face of the earth, they hung on and hung on and hung on and hung on, and then eventually Wall Street had the Reddit thread closed. No, no, what they did was they had the Robinhood, which is the, yeah, the app the, which the people platform. Using. They, they got stopped allowing them to buy. No, but also the Reddit thread stopped did for it? a day and a half, so people wow. weren't getting the same messages of hold, hold, hold. They all panicked. Right, and that is that's the, in the movie that exactly, moment, and that's the that's the thing about this movie because Seth Rogen plays one of the main hedge funders who lost all of his money, yep. but then like the dude from fucking from Parks and Rec, Parks and Rec, he's the big big guy. Mm-hmm. And in reality, everyone got burned on that except him. He got away because he was the biggest guy. So it's really kind of a, a thing about like, all right, well, everyone just wanted to fuck Wall Street. And they did. This is the first time it's actually happened in history. It happened over a, a number of years, basically. And so that's why. But the great thing about the film itself is it shows you what happened to it, what happened to this guy, how he had to deal with it. The fact is he's a pretty normal guy, although he is an actual ex-stock. Like, uh, yeah, he had some the, experience. Yeah. But it's an interesting thing. I do recommend, ladies and gentlemen, do not buy your own stock if you, unless you are, because no one knows what the stock market's going to do, not even the big guys. I thought Paul Dano was pretty good, but I thought just about everyone else is wasted in this movie. Other than maybe Seth Rogen got to stretch his chops a little bit as a different role than what we're used to seeing him in. Do you know what I think was good about the film? There's, they're, they're very liberal use of the song WAP. So it's like he's, well, he's, yeah, okay. he's like, yeah, there are some whores in this house, right? Like, as the, something happens, I thought it was quite funny. So, Can like, I ask you the biggest question I came out of this yeah, film yeah, with, yeah. which my wife also reflected? How does Pete Davidson fuck Kim Kardashian? Okay, I've got answers for you. Okay, go. All right, so I've... <laughs> it's not Kim Ka- What about fucking Kate Beckinsale, Paul? No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. God. And I've been reading up me. on this. I Shut see a up, pair of me. thick, weighty <laughs> breasts. Yeah, and not even thick or weighty. She's very slender. So anyway. <laughs> 
I think Kim Kardashian's uh Oh no, but that's that's just a whole ass situation. Um they are thick weighty ass. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not yeah, great. It's not for me. Uh, not for me either. I've heard women say, and this is, you know, I think the because I think he's six four. How old how tall are you? Six two? Six two. All right. Women like it when you're so tall you shit your pants and like it's like fucking tall as shit. Wait, wait, say that statement again. I uh, look I know, look <laughs> Well, this woman said that, like, I've been a fool for 6'4 before. I used to think to myself, I wonder how Pete Davidson did it. Then I found out he was 6'4 and I've so been a fool. It's purely because he's tall. Well, that's what these... he's not a traditionally good looking man. No, he's butt ugly. But he himself actually jokes about it. He says, most guys who look like me don't even have a job. So that's what's going on. Right? <laughs> yeah, so he's really good about it. And I don't fact, begrudge him that success. I'm just amazed by it. No, it is amazing because he's a really weird looking guy. But I think he's got some kind of energy or BDE, they call it. Big dick energy, right? <laughs> I think he's probably got a huge hog. Like, you know, if he's six oh, four, you know. But it. but more than that, um, yeah, it's it's a weird thing because he looks the way he does, but he gets crazy, crazy tail. I will tell you that his Netflix special is very funny. Okay. Maybe I'll just check that out. Maybe that will help me as well. All right, what's your number six? My number six is Sly. Okay. I haven't seen it. Ah. Now, uh, everyone, Sly is um what do you I don't know if he it's not an it's not a biopic, it's not an autobiography. It's basically a it's a, docu- documentary. it's a documentary on him, but it's actually produced by him. What is nice about it is that very few people have been famous for fifty years. You know what I mean? Mm. So you gotta kinda That's look right. and Very say cool. and the big the first act is all about Rocky. Okay. Right? And then you see his kind of motivation for doing things, the flops, the this, the that, why he does stuff. It's a little soul paced, but it's good. It is really interesting to see what a toxic asshole his father was. Oh, really? Because that's a big aspect of it. Okay. It's got a lot to do with how he does himself. It's got Arnie in it talking about him. It's got Quentin Tarantino talking about him. No but Steven Seagal? No Steven Seagal, <laughs> sadly. I will tell you this, though. I like sliced alone movies that are not on this. I like fucking, I like fucking Cliffhanger, Cobra, Tango and Cash, Demolition Tango Man. Tango and Cash. All right? None of those things are mentioned here. And I'm like, oh, oh, come on, tell me about that that's shit, a little right? disappointing. Obviously, Rocky, yeah. Rocky's important. Yes, so. but, but interestingly, do you know Copland? Rambo must have got mentioned. Rambo did get mentioned. And he mentions like the later Rambos, which I never saw. Because he told no, me- No, we watched, we reviewed the last one on the show. Did we? Yeah, pretty sure. Obviously, Rambo, Last Blood. Oh, I forgot the fuck out of it. Fair enough. <laughs> but he was saying, and this is, this may, uh, some of the things we were talking about in the show, like Sly says, I like a happy ending. I'm sorry. And that's why a lot of his like fucking Expendables 4 had an oddly thing. He said, sue me. I, I like happy endings. And I'm like, that's why you never really got somewhere. But do you remember when Copland came out and you and I said, Sly just acted rings around Robert De Niro. Yeah, I right? did. He said that movie tanked. It did. Yeah, I didn't know no that. No one wants to see Sly playing in a dramatic role but and doing a great amazing. job. was yeah. amazing. It was probably the pinnacle of his you career. Remember that he was... Was he nominated for Academy Award for Rocky as well as Best Actor? Uh, or just the film nominated? I think the film... The, the film won, didn't it? I think yes. he won. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think he got a writing credit as well. I'm not sure. Yeah, but he yeah. wrote it. Yeah, so... Um, but it's... It, look, it's worth watching, but it's not the, the, like, oh my God, gotcha kind of thing that you would... Yeah, well, not not down here at number six anyway. Yeah, so it's kind of... It's, it's, it's nice. I wouldn't call it a deep dive into his work either. It's just mostly about Rocky and something else. But see, it's, it's, it's a fun enough watch because it's an interesting take on the guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll get a chance to watch. But look, at this stage of the year, I'm only looking for the worst or the best to watch. So uh, I understand completely. <laughs> My number six, unfortunately, once again, falls into neither of those territories because I heard so many good things about it. This is supposed to be the comedy of the year. Our good friends over at So Wizard raved about this film and absolutely said it. It just knocked everything out of the park in terms what could of this be? how funny it is. And then I was very relieved to hear our good friends also at We Watch The Thing say, nah, nah, this is barely middling. That's where it fell for me. Bottoms. I've never heard of it. Okay. Comedy a, of the Year and I've it, never heard of it. It's a gross out comedy directed by Emma Seligman 
who I maybe in her directorial debut. How have I not heard this? No, she also directed Shiva Baby. And it's co-written by one of the stars in the film. So Rachel Sennett, who's also in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. And then it's, the other co-star in it is Ayo Edabiri, who is in The Bear. I know that TV show, if you mm-hmm. watched that. She's, I have watched she's it. the African-American oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. chef yeah, yeah, girl, yep, yep, young yep. girl. So basically, these are last year high school girls who are lesbians, who are trying to connect with their crushes, one of whom is played by Cindy Crawford's daughter, yep. who looks like the spitting fucking image really? of her mum. You were a big fan of Sydney, as I recall, yeah. back in the day. It's so, a lot of time for her. Now, now I'm too old to, but my holy shit, that's weird how much she looks like her mum. Really? Yeah. And anyway, so it's they decide to create a fight club for girls. Oh. <laughs> that's the film. Sounds great. Yeah. The premise is really cool and really fun and really entertaining, but the execution of it, I just found a lot of the jokes just fell completely fucking flat. Is this cel- I don't know why I haven't heard of this before. Yeah. I, I thought you would be all this. I was expected to come up. One of their teachers is played by Marshawn Lynch, who was an ex-Raiders player. I think probably some other football teams as well, okay, but that's okay. my team. Sorry to everyone in America listens. I have adopted the Raiders as my team. Fair enough. I've now seen them play live. And a good friend who loves them to absolute pieces. And so he's funnish. But the problem is Rachel Sennett, who co-wrote this, so she wrote this part for herself. She's so unlikable in this movie. She's so fucking me focused uh, selfish and it's, see, that's like, gonna do it's it. hard for me to get my whereas the other um, Josie the other character she's quite likeable and you really want her to win and, and everything mm. else but yeah the tone just doesn't sit right for me the comedies it veers from being sort of gross out to being at, by the end of the film lots of people have died and died in horrendous ways and they're just all laughing and giggling about it and I'm like oh, I don't know what they're going for here in this film just didn't work for me yeah. clearly I'm in the minority this is 3.9 stars on Letterbox out of four. One of, I think, the highest rated films of the year. So full credit to them. I'm glad it's been a success. I'm glad so is it loved it so much. But for me, eh. I'm now intrigued. Intrigued. You should watch it by the end of the year just I in will. case it makes one. Bottoms? Bottoms is the name. Yeah. I see. Okay. Well, nice one. Uh, my number five is actually a haunting in Venice. <laughs> that's where I put it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's three, three yeah, higher than I me. Know, I know. Okay. My number five, Wayne. And I got very intrigued when you started talking about Three Musketeers at number 10. My number five is The Three Musketeers, Colin D'Artagnan. <laughs> That's on my list too. It is. I, I, obviously, after I saw the wrong one, I had to go see the right one. <laughs> I didn't even know if you could get it yet because I watched this on a plane coming back from the States. I have lots to say about this. I want you to start. Well, I'm just going to give you a very brief version because I'm not a fan of the Three Musketeers. I, that whole oh, story, God, I am. The fucking Disney film, which I referenced earlier, is, is an absolute piece of shit. One of the worst films that I remember Why? watching. Hey, Kiffy Sutherland, Charlie Sheen. Hate Come it. on, Tim Curry, baby. Oliver All the rest of that shit. Terrible, terrible. Terrible. Who no. was was it? Uh, Chris Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell was D'Artagnan. Yeah. Yes. Fuck that film. Shut up. <laughs> this is better than that. I give it credit. For it that. is better than that, Paul, because it's my number one. What? Yes. Uh, if you like, my list is. This what is you... on your most anticipated films of the year list. Yes, and I oh, think I think you've come into it half barred up, and you are absolutely overselling it. Well, if you like, my list is a D'Artagnan sandwich <laughs> because <laughs> top and tail, you got some some skateers. <laughs> <laughs> But please tell me about your experience of the Three Musketeers. Look, I watched it on a plane, you know, altitude, sickness, whatever else. It was fine. So it's two hours long. There's some long shots in the fight sequences, which really do help. Bro, the, the one where he threw the fucking gun after firing it. Wasn't it cool? Yeah. It was a little cool. That was fine. And I, I did. I think the same thing happens in the Disney film from 1993 or whatever the fuck it was. When he meets all the one by one, they all challenge him to a duel. Isn't that amazing? That must be part of the that original That must be the book. original story, which neither of us clearly have read. 
and look overall it's it's fine like i i enjoyed my time enough it passed two hours on a plane which i was not unthankful for and i'll watch the next one which apparently is three musketeers colon um about to have a look milady Mila- no, it is milady yeah who's played by eva green evergreen yeah so all right she's not evergreen Wayne. she's evergreen bro it's fucking evergreen it's probably because she's well, no, she speaks no, french i checked a bitch out she actually in, introduced the, herself check, check the woman out i checked her out she <laughs> said uh, i am evergreen i'm like no way would you say evergreen but it is she okay. says ever well, in that case i am wrong isn't that weird though all right, so listen. Is, up, it, is it amazing? No. Whatever Wayne's about to say now, don't buy the fucking hype. Oh, this just is go a little with harsh. Middling expectations. Okay, fine. Yes, go in with middling expectations because I myself had just come from a bag of dicks that was the wrong it, one. It's also right? a French film, so yeah. Dude, this movie is French as fuck. All right, <laughs> even the opening on-screen crawl is in French. The subtitle. Now, this is what I wanted to ask you, Paul. You saw it legitimately on a plane? Yeah. Did you download it? No. It's on the I plane. did. I watched it on the on the system. All right, on good. The plane. Now I downloaded it. I'm gonna, I stole it, everyone, okay? I couldn't <laughs> find it. Fucking I fucking that stole it, all right? Every third episode. But I went and I looked. There are millions of different subtitles for it. And I don't know if you had this experience, Paul. The subtitles are bad. They're actually bad. I don't speak French. So I just assume they're correct. No, they're bad English. Like, there's like he, him, her, and stuff is, is transposed and things like that. Oh, okay. So I'm like, shit, what's this? Don't so, remember noticing that. So it must have been why I had the legitimate subtitles. Well, there's, on no the legitimate. Option, there's no option for an English overdub trap. So this movie is as French as surrendering. Look, it's just. Never, <laughs> never watch something in an English overdub. But there isn't one. Well, good, because there shouldn't be. Well, the fucking... The, but this is the thing. So the only problem I had with this film was that the, the, there were no subs anywhere that were actually that good. And I've looked online and everyone said the same thing. Even the Apple or whatever it was, the original one said it actually wasn't perfect. Oh, I don't okay. know if you noticed that or that not. That must have been the one I... No, I didn't. Right. So anyway, I, uh, but for the show itself, I thought there was some excellent stunt work on the show. The D'Artagnan in this one is actually sexy. So I'm fine with that. Sexy boy. I can actually Francois Civil. Francois, exactly. And it's really, really cool. Now, you've got Vincent Cassell and you've got motherfucking... Uh, who's the other cracker? Oh, you know, there's Evergreen in it. Yeah, they're um, the only ones I recognise. There's yeah, obviously other French actors who you probably would recognise. Romain Durez. Absolutely. Pio Marmaleo. Nope. Marmaleo. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's exactly who I mean. Hang on. While you talk, I'll have a look at Pio Marmaleo. No, not seeing any of those films. Okay. But imagine, if you will, seeing this film after the piece of shit that I saw before. I immediately noticed the way it's shot, the quality of the action, uh, it just shows the difference between a green director and someone who really knows what they're doing. And like you said, it's very interesting that it follows that, you know, the three duels kind of thing. There is some really good, I think it's particularly good one-shot action, like you said. There is a eye-popping four-way action scene where the musketeers fight like 20 other dudes and it's all handheld and it's all presented as a single shot. In the forest. In the forest, right? So that was pretty cool. Solid film. Solid film, Wayne's number one. Yeah, solid. I told you, this is a middling list, yeah, well, so but it's like, honest. you know, I was actually very, I, I'm definitely going to watch the second one. Hopefully they come up with real subtitles for that one. Right? <laughs> I'll also watch the second one. Um, I won't race for it. Uh, I won't race I'll for it. I'll wait until you've seen it and tell us on the show about yeah, it. Yeah, so. we'll do that. We'll do that. But no, I, I actually loved, um, I loved the film. Um, and again, it's more French than offering your baby a, a cigarette. It's like, <laughs> it's so, it's so, like, <laughs> there's nothing English about it and Don't you can't find that. it anywhere. <laughs> Even if you're French. <laughs> Sacre bleu. Sacre bleu. Um, All right, my anyway. number four is my acknowledgement. This is going to come out, Wayne, on the week, on the Friday before Christmas. So this is our Christmas episode. So I thought I have to have a Christmas film in here. And therefore, it has to be one I haven't seen before because that's the rules of top 10 last 10. We probably should mention that top of the show. This is called, from this year, just came out on Shudder, which is the horror streaming channel you can get if you are so inclined. It's called It's a Wonderful Knife. 
What? What the as fuck? Po- what the fuck is the- All right, what As opposed to It's a Wonderful Life. Obviously. <laughs> so directed by Tyler McIntyre. This follows. A- this is your Christmas show? All right, tell me about this. This is my Christmas. Have you got a Christmas movie on your list? Fuck no. Then shut the fuck up. You're such a dick, man. That wasn't in the fucking brief. You're my dicks. All right, go on. I am acknowledging the time of year. You're shitting on my acknowledgement of the time of year. Go on, go on, please. Tell us about It's a Wonderful Fucking Life. No, now I'm going to get the soundboard first. Oh, suck on me, dick. Hot damn! Okay. So this is basically follows a, a young woman who her dad is played by Joel McHale. Oh. And she's got a very successful, slightly older brother who's the captain of the football team. Right. And he's gay and everyone loves him. And it's he's got a wonderful boyfriend. And it's all, yeah, everyone, yep, yep. Very nice. And her mom is, you know, probably not good enough looking for Joel McHale, if I'm really honest. But anyway, that maybe that's just my man crush that's coming out. <laughs> But she's got a very successful life and they live in this town and dad works for Justin Long, who's this, the oh, yeah. mayor of the town that they're in. And he's trying to buy up all this land, including from Cigarette Smoking Man from the X-Files. the X-Files. Oh, he's around. Yeah. Nice. And he's like, no, nah, not selling to you. Next thing you know, he gets violently murdered by this character who's dressed up with like white sort of monk habit and then a sort of glowy mask that reflects light. So the Christmas angel they refer to this killer as. Right. And then that angel stalks Cigarette Smoking Man's granddaughter, who's the, this main girl's best friend, okay. to a party and goes to town trying to murder all these kids. Now, I'm going to give you a slight spoiler for the film, which Go is all, th- all shown in the trailer because this is the whole point of it. It's a Wonderful Knife. The main character manages to kill the murderer, who turns out to be Justin Long, who is the mayor of the town. Not a big surprise, based on what I just described. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, her life's at misery one year later for various reasons the film will show you. And she wishes, I'm staying underneath, like Jimmy Stewart in the original film, I wish I was never born. Oh. And so, under the Aurora Borealis. And she is now flashed into a world where she's never born and the killer's still running rampant and now owns all the town. No one knows who it is and has murdered like 27 people through the course of the last year. Okay, all right. This isn't that. Yeah, the premise is because it's about it's like a wonderful life where it's giving you the whole alternate and reality. So no thing. one recognizes her. Mum and dad don't recognize her. They've gone down their various paths. That the film shows you, and she strikes a friendship with one girl who is not liked by anyone else. And it's those two trying to bring Justin Long to justice. He's during the scenery like no one's business, doing a really great job. Is he? Yeah, in in the like you hate him, you absolutely hate him. Yeah, yeah. so over the top. My biggest premise problem with the film is it kind of falls apart in the very last. I won't obviously give any more spoilers mm-hmm, than that, mm-hmm. but in the last act. Some of the things that ask you to buy into are so ridiculous. It's, it you just cannot. It's even in a film of this fantasy kind of nature, mm. your suspension of disbelief is too large to believe, and the resolution is too convenient. And the other thing I thought, which was utterly ridiculous, is why she's miserable one year later, having done what she's done to save the town and her brother. Mm. None of it rings true. It's so over the top and ridiculous. So it kind of really took me out of the film. Then it got, brought me back in during the, the sequence where she's sort of trying to convince people who the killer is and all the rest of that stuff and forming her alliance. And then the very resolution, I'm like, oh, it dropped from a three and a half stars to a three stars off that What a basis. shame, what a shame. Because yeah. it does sound like an interesting Still idea. worth watching. It's certainly not going to become a Christmas staple, but I enjoyed it. It's a, it is bloodthirsty in places, but not so heinously over the top. Like, you can't watch it with your 10-year-old. Happily could watch it with your 15-year-old. It's fine. Can I assume the murder weapon is a knife? Yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. For the most part, sometimes it picks up an axe or whatever else. Okay. So, yeah. oh, that's fine. There you go. Okay. It's one of a knife number four. Unexpected. Kind of interesting. Nice mm-hmm. work. My number four, you and I spoke about this last week. Aren't you at number three now? 
Mm, not to my knowledge. Or did I jump? Did I jump when I did five and you did one? Okay, so do your four and three. <laughs> my bad. My bad. No, no, not no. Wayne's. Okay, all good. Uh, my number four. You and I were talking about this last week, uh, where we were talking about this particular director. Uh, the movie is called The Creator, and the director is Gareth Edwards. There you go, Gareth Edwards. Um, How do I know this? I watched it today. Ah, then this should be interesting, Paul, mm. because. I said, now I had heard on the grapevine, the scuttlebutt was, because Gareth Edwards, did he do Rogue One, but then it was like supposedly... Yeah, then took over. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And he obviously did Godzilla, and he did Monsters before that. Right. I think that's his pedigree thus far. That's right. So, uh, and I didn't know what I thought about this director. Obviously, I loved Rogue One, um, but again, we don't know what exact involvement and so on mm-hmm. he had in it. And I heard that the creator was all right, is what I heard. Right? Jeez, when I because I was in the states when this came out, mm-hmm. and so all I was seeing was the adverts online with all the five star and four and a half star ratings from critics, and people seemed to be raving about it. So I'm like, that's on my list of things to watch. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't though because I I wanted to see 4K yep, bloody yep, yep, whatever yep. they call it IMAX. So I went to two movies in IMAX in America. I didn't have mm-hmm. time, and the creator wasn't showing there because it's a lower budget film, yep. and it didn't have the big Exactly. Distribution, yeah. Yep. So I was, well, how's this going to be? Well, Paul said to me, because I said to him, I heard it's crap, or I said I heard it's average, and you said to me these words. You said, it does not look like an $80 million film. It does right? not. Dude. Holy shit. This fucking movie looks beautiful, mm-hmm. right? I'll tell you what it's about. It's about a future war between the human race and artificial intelligence, which rages on, and there's this uh, ex-special forces agent played by... Um, um, John David Washington. John David Washington. So, what's his what's his Christopher Nolan movie? In, uh, Tenet. Tenet. And he's recruited to hunt down and kill the creator, who's this supposed architect of advanced AI. That could win them the war. Exactly. So, it's essentially a movie about mankind versus AI or robot. But the flip, the script is a bit flipped insofar as the humanity is, is presented as the bad guy, which is something I didn't see coming. Well, you know, I was like, okay. oh, that's interesting. Yep. Even the opening, where they're sh- showing sort of period footage of robots, and here's how they helped our lives mm-hmm. kind of thing, looks amazing. And I was watching it going, this is so good looking. Like, it is really, really impressive. Yeah, undeniably. And this, what I think about this is, um, this director, he seems to be sort of Zack Snyder-ish in his way, because he shoots, Zack Snyder, in my opinion, is one of the best shooters. Visual like, director. Visually, he's amazing. And this guy visually is amazing as well, but his writing's not quite there. I would agree. Now, what happened with this film, it's purposely like a bit like a Vietnam film, right? Like mm. in its way. But it's also a bit like Aliens because these, these Marines drop ship into this area. It's all on Earth, but you know, it's like that kind of thing. Alison Janney? Doing yep. a really great job of convincing me that a, a woman of advanced age can be a badass military commander. That's mm-hmm. actually an interesting point. But what happened was I got a bit, it just drops the ball at the end. Uh, the movie kind of, he makes, I think, a mistake in not depicting a certain aspect of the film that I think he should have. And what happens is all of the kind of rich storytelling that was happening in the first two acts kind of doesn't come to nothing necessarily, but it's an underwhelming ending. And it's a real shame because if this thing ended in just a way that was more satisfying or just had a bit more heartfeltness to it. Yep. I would have gone, this is fucking great, because he should, he should direct and have someone else write, is what, mm. I should, is what he should do. Right. He's amazing. I'm being very non-reactive in my responses here. Because it's up there? Or because it's, it's one or the other, Wayne, I'm going to tell I you know. which one it is. Does it make, the best of my 
it's, it's not on my list today. Mm. Is it in my best 10 best films or, of the year or worst 10 films of the year? So we hang around for that. Okay, can't wait. Because this is one of those films that could easily be one way or the other, depending on what you focus on. Exactly. And I think, like, in terms of you guys out there, I do recommend yeah. you watch it. Yeah, make your own mind up. All right, to have a look at it. But be advised, you may, be, you may walk away slightly underwhelmed, but the visuals are so eye popping, I would personally give it a try. Okay, cool. Watch three. Three was a movie called The Sound of Freedom. Oh, okay. You know, there's some politics behind this movie. Um, can you... Okay, well, let me tell you what, go, go, how go. I came to this movie, all right? It's unfortunately based on a true story. And it's about, it's about some pretty dark shit. I'm sorry, guys, but I, I had to go watch this film. There's a real-life FBI agent whose job is to hunt down and arrest pedophiles. This is a true story. Uh, he's really good at it, but it starts to weigh on him that he never actually recovers any of the children because they're often shipped off to countries in cargo containers and different places offshore and stuff like that. He gets a lead on one young boy, manages to track him down and, and save him, but then he learns that the boy's sister is a captive, and long story short is, it's this real story of how they're uncovering these pedophilic rings of people, in particular in a, a, spot, in a place in, you know, uh, of, of the world where you, no one can actually get to. And it's a fine enough movie, but there's actually a coda in the end, at the end of it, where it kind of tells you that the, the point of the film wasn't actually to shoot the movie, it's to raise awareness about this sex trafficking that's happening and one thing it said is that there are there are way more people living in slavery now than there were at any time in history even during the slavery in the 1800s wow which means and most of them are kids right so i know it it, it's actually like and it shows footage actual footage of where in these places in like you know like uh, just third world countries kids are walking on the street well like motorcycle dudes will come by and grab them and just right off that happens so made me grateful that we live in such a nice place where virtually no one's kids get kidnapped off the streets by slavers but um but the 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 thing is like paul that means like fucking slavery never actually ended Mm. and no one fucking knew that so on one level it's like wow it did actually do the thing it was supposed to do now the reason i came to this film is because it was funded by anthony robbins you know who he is yeah, he's neither, Tony yeah. Robbins, the yeah, life coach yeah. guru guy, and he Self-help said, "Self-help dude." Yeah, and Jim Caviezel and all this sort of stuff. And it was there just to do that. It is as a as a functionally as a movie, it is good enough. I'm not aware of the politics behind it, though, Paul. Can you tell me? Yeah. So, as you said, build about as a real story about real life. Tim Ballard, a former mm-hmm. special agent for the Department of Homeland Security, and founded the anti-trafficking group Operation Underground Railroad. Right. Hour. Because it's associated with the QAnon movement. So both Ballard is it. And his on-screen counterpart, Jim Caviezel, have been prominent supporters of QAnon for years. Oh, man. Really? <laughs> Are you kidding me? So Jim Caviezel's QAnon? They had to raise $5 million to distribute this film. And a lot of it came from these kinds of people who are Wait, Jim Caviezel's QAnon? Apparently. Is that why he played Jesus? Well, I don't know about that part. But, anyway, but, to- yep. but T-Rob isn't that guy, surely. The, the FBI agent is a QAnon supporter. Yeah. Are we sure about this? This is killing me, Paul. Time Magazine. I'm looking at the article right here. Oh, for Christ's sake. So not to say, look... Look, I don't think we, I know enough about QAnon, we, but I know no, I don't... No, but we often divorce our opinions of actors and the like from their real-life shenanigans slash crimes. I don't think this is any different. If but you're saying it's a good film, regardless of where the money came from and what the politics are behind it, then so be it. What makes it interesting is that that literally this guy goes into an island on his own to try and save this one kid and then it leads to like more savings and stuff like that. But the way he does it and the way he gets away and stuff is actually pretty good. Like cinematically, it's quite good and it's okay. quite interesting. Yep. 
I'm disappointed to hear that, and I don't really know what to think about what you just told me. But um, yeah, so I was being right labeled mega friendly and and QAnon <sighs> adjacent. But the thing is, like, okay, let's take all of that aside, right? It's showing. That's what I'm saying, you yeah, divorce. That. It's showing something that is actually happening, which I believe is happening. Because why would you say it if it weren't? And they actually, oh god, this is horrible. At the end of the movie, they say if you want to donate, donate, and I fucking donated. Oh, oh. I know, shit, because it was about. Saving kids, Paul. Okay, well, that then you, you, you donated out of the pure of your heart. No one can fault oh, you for that. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but I, ch- I checked the website and they've gotten way more money than they expected. So I'm just one of another bunch of suckers, I guess. Although, I don't know. No, if it, if it went towards saving kids, I don't care. I don't care that. who ran it. As long okay? as it did that, that's what matters. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, You're this never is so emotional. It. Anyway, okay, right. sorry. We've, we've rocked Wayne's world. <laughs> Let's put it back into order by saying my number three is also a horror film. Go on. It's called Sick. It's directed by John Hyams who has directed nothing in particular, I don't believe. I think I've heard this. He directed a couple of Universal Soldier films, so there you go. (laughs) Uh, It stars no one of consequence at all. Like, I don't think I recognize a single person on this list, but it is written by Kevin Williamson, the guy who wrote Scream and, yes, Dawson's Crack. Yes. Great at that. And Sick is set during COVID times. And in the midst of the pandemic, so Parker and her friend Miri, so two girls go out to this, self-quarantine place, this uh, area, this log cabin basically, and where they think they're going to be alone, but then they get set upon by this masked killer and it's this killer versus those two type of film. Mm -hmm. And it's surprisingly decent. It's really short, 83 minutes minus credits or before credits. Sorry, 83 minutes including credits. So probably 75 minutes of film. It doesn't mess around. It gives you just enough about these two young women and their friendship that you come to care about them and want them to survive. And then they're being set upon by this killer, which the killer ends up having something to do with the pandemic. That's all I'll say. So it's not just contextual. It's also thematic in terms of what's going on here. And I thought it was really well put together. It was really well made. There's some nice shots. Oh, it's called Sick. Yes. There's some really nice shots and some, some great moments and a couple of good kills in the film. I thoroughly recommend if you're a horror film fan and for whatever reason, steer clear. This was last year, so I'm late to the party. I think people were reviewing this in December, January. December last year is January this year, so about a year ago. But uh, yeah, I recommend it. Sick. Sick. Good fun if you're into this kind of thing. If you are, haha, sick. Well done. Uh, so <laughs> uh, you're actually going to take the show home for because my number two is Dumb Money. Wow. Yeah. That is stupid high. Bro, it's like, this is like, this is like, um, how this is this is higher like, than the creator? This is like the big short light. I don't care how bad. Exactly. That's what I think I opened by saying my review of it. This film is so middling as to be painful. Oh, I liked it. The creator let me down, whereas this one didn't Oof. let me down. See? Like, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm intrigued the whole way. Well, I've got two films to recommend to you, Wayne, then to round out our list. Bring one, it. Because your number one is D'Artagnan. It is indeed. My number two is How to Blow Up a Pipeline, directed by Daniel Goldhaber. This is what do I know about this film? aggressively indie film. How to Blow Up a Pipeline, what's it about? Which is co-written by one of the stars of the film, Ariella Berra, and, and along with Daniel Goldhaber. And it's basically a group of young environmental activists decide to blow up a pipeline to disrupt the world's oil reserves because we are destroying the world. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. as someone who walked over here today in yet another day where it says it was 31 degrees, but dear God, it's getting hotter and hotter Celsius in this part of the world. Yes, we are. <laughs> we had the hottest November on record. We've had the second... Hottest October on record. December is shaping to be middling at this point in time. Thank God. Let me tell you something, Paul. I remember a time years ago 
where, like we'd say, it's 31, 32 degrees, supposedly today. Yep. I remember it got to 47 one time in Perth, and that was 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, that was Boxing Day. How do you remember this shit, you freak? Because it was Boxing Day. All right. Um, so, you know, it's still cooler now than it was then, so I don't know. I don't yeah. know. No, I don't no. know. You have to look at average temperatures, yeah, not average. I knew you'd have some math to throw at me. <laughs> one thing. So, even though two summers ago we had 10, 40 degree days over the Perth summer, which we averaged three. And there's more this time. But we well, we didn't have any 40 degree days last the summer just gone. Yeah. But yet, average temperatures are above. So okay, it's not well. just about the extremes, it's about the average overall. Okay. Uh, anyway, Weather match with the countdown. <laughs> that's right. Back to this particular film. It's uh, 104 minutes long. It's pretty low budget, but it's really well shot. Lots of steady cams, lots of oneers, sort of swinging in and around the dialogue. And we set up these seven or eight characters by, we thrust right into it. They're starting to, to put their plan together. They're leaving to go and do this thing. And then we get a flashback through the course of the film depicting why each of them are there. So it's that structure. Oh, that's good. Mimicking a little bit of reap. (laughs) (laughs) Is is there anyone in particular? No, there's no one. So it's like a. I I didn't recognize a single person. Sort of indie ish kind of? Yeah, very indie ish. And you can tell that the film grain to me, that's the one down. It doesn't look glossy or slick, but that's fine because I guess it's a choice they've made. And eventually you realize, oh, that's sort of adding to this whole element of undermining and everything else. I thought this was pretty damn good. How to blow up a pipe? Just miss my top ten films of Whoa. the list. I would thoroughly recommend you check this one out. How to blow a up? Very a satisfying ending as well. Very clever and well constructed. So yeah, I've got. Nor I mean a couple of the acting performances are a little bit. That's what sort of dropped it sort of out of the top ten for me. Mm-hmm. I, that was a bit of a stinker of a line delivery. Did is that the best take that you had? But otherwise, yeah, thoroughly recommend. Do check this one out. Nice. Okay, cool. Rain, run us through your 10 through one list. Not that it matters, we're not comparing, but just so people know and where and and give us the delineation I recommend from here. Okay. I don't recommend the three musketeers 2023, (laughs) nor do I number nine, the expendables, four, uh, eight, heart of stone. Kind of do seven, subtle art of giving a not giving a fuck. I do if you're into self help. Six, sly, yes. Uh, everything from so, here. There we go. So, yes. Everything from here. Five, okay. A Haunting in Venice. Uh, four, The Creator. Three, Sound of Freedom. Two, Dumb Money. And one, The Three Musketeers. The Arctic Agnum. Okay. D, apostrophe, Artanian. Titanian. All right, then for me, number 10, that's Something in the Dirt. Nine, Asteroid City. Eight, Haunting in Venice. Seven, Dumb Money. Six, Bottoms. I don't recommend until we get to here. The Three Musketeers, colon, D'Artagnan. Four, It's Wonderful Life. Three, Sick, Two. How to Blow Up a Pipeline. My number one is a Netflix film from last year that stars Numi Rapace, which I don't know why it took me so long to get to it. It was on my to-watch list for a very long time. People have shat on this movie, Wayne, so I have to give the context in which I watched it. Go on. There's only 2.7 stars on Letterboxd, which mm-hmm. is pretty low. This is called Black Crab. Okay. Right? I've not heard of it. It's a Swedish film. Oh. I think it's Swedish anyway. I mean, look that up. And it effectively follows a dystopian future... Sweden or whoever they, this area of people in Sweden are, are fighting some war against someone else in that part of the world and they're losing and they send Numira Pace who lost her daughter in the opening scene of the film who mm-hmm. literally was wrenched out of her arms and taken away from her. She's like an eight, nine-year-old kid mm. and she, they say, we know the opposite side, have your daughter, go there and blow this thing up and you will win us this war and you can get your daughter back. So she agrees because she used to be a, a, a figure skater or some shit. They have to skate across ice most of the way. What? It's in the middle of winter. And that's the only way they can get to this base undetected. And they've got to do it for like three days. Shit. So it's her and like five, six other characters. 
who are skating again. Like, like clink, 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 ice skating. Yeah. yeah? Wow. And wow. trying to avoid detection from the superior forces of the enemy and goes from there. We'll not say anything more about the plot, but I was thoroughly involved, thoroughly intrigued, wanted to see how this wound, wound up, enjoyed my time immensely. I gave it three and a half stars. I don't get it. I don't get why people don't like it. I must have missed something. Or maybe, because here's the context I watched it in. Mm. While, I was, while I was on holiday and I was watching a lot of shit, Wayne. Uh. A real lot of shit. So many low-budget crap horror films. <laughs> so many pieces. I think it's your fault, but yes. So many pieces of <laughs> shit other films that I uh, put that one off watching it. But I'm happy to watch it on my iPad because who cares if it sucks. Yep. This one might. Yeah, exactly. Rose Among the Thorns. Like, oh. That was surprisingly good. I'm intrigued. I'm interested. I want to say I watched it in two sittings. I was keen to get back to watch it versus everything else where I suffered through it whilst having to go to bed early because my daughter went to bed early. Context, people. Yeah. As important as so content. Maybe not as good as I'm making it out to be, but I really enjoyed it. Black Crab is my number one best film I've seen in recent times. Nice one. That's I've not, not of it. That's in a, my top 10 films of the no, year. No, it's a scoop. Black Crab. Because had are. we been including films in the last 10 or 20 I've watched that were in my top 10, I've seen three films that have made my top 10. Very recently. It's a pretty good month for you. Mm. you uh, yeah, last month, last eight weeks, months. 10 yeah, weeks, okay. whatever it is. Nice That's one. It. Watched a lot of movies in the last 10 weeks because of the trip since we last did this. Ah, uh, yes. Fair enough. All right. Nice one. That's our list. No honorable mentions, obviously, for a top 10 last sentence. We'll get straight into your feedback on the topic at hand, which is your one-sentence reviews of films that you've recently seen in a segment that we call The Pop 10. Vindication! Just because we haven't heard from Captain Holt enough today. Yeah, we haven't, right? Sure. <laughs> Talk about Pop-tin. Talk about Wayne with the live version has thrown me there stereo right there <laughs> Josh Raglan, the aforementioned, kicks it off, off with Violent Night David Harbour is a great badass Santa, such a fun movie Yes, Josh, yes it is, was in my top ten last year And Wayne and Jason, the guest on the host I on think I show, remember liking it shitting on me oh, about that choice yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jonathan Kidd said, our brand is crisis Proof that David Gordon Green can't end a fucking movie at any point <laughs> in his career <laughs> Hate that Jonas Lander, wonderful supporter of the show Said, Godzilla minus one Here's a movie we should try and fucking see before Is that Gareth Edwards? No, no oh, it's a Japanese like... Godzilla film Solid recommendation, would have been a really good drama without Godzilla Really good with is that out in the cinemas now, Paul? It was v- like in like three sessions at Inapoo. A what? Only. So I think it's gone already. Is it on the lane? I don't think so. I haven't looked. Shit. Mm, but maybe you should look. Nick Orton said, Eileen, good psychological thriller with Thomas and McKenzie and Anne Hathaway. Well, Anne Hathaway's already shit. Sorry. Nick- Come on, Eileen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, well done, Wayne. That's uh, good. Yeah, God damn. There you go. Good, good there you go. Leah, Leah Allen Thomas then said the Northman finally got around to watching it. Terrific. Best Hammer adaptation since The Lion King. Very nice. I mean. Shut up. Awesome <laughs> film. JB Davies said Chicken Run, colon, Dawn of the Nugget. If you are wondering what a 70s Bond film would look like with chickens, look no further. Spoilers. It's actually really great. I fucking disagree, but thank Ooh, you. <laughs> actually, who is this again? That's uh, Jamie Davies. So hey, yeah, Jamie. Jamie, you could by now you've heard our review if you've listened yeah. to the show. That's right, Jamie. Like I, yeah, I mean, it's just not my jam. Yeah. Okay. Jason Barr said, "Good luck to you, Leo Grande. Heartwarming, lighthearted drama with a great performance from Emma Thompson. Agree. Along like your that show. At some point, I did. I like that show. The past. Gary Stevenson went to TV and said, "Doom Patrol season four, confusing as hell, but a good end to the franchise." I, I've heard talk of this Doom Patrol. If if it's confusing as hell, Gary. 
How is it a good end to the franchise? Some people like that, Paul. Okay, yeah, fair enough. David Powell, the other co-host of the We Watch The Thing podcast and wonderful supporter of the show, said, obliterated. If you check your brain at the door, this is way more fun than it probably should be. Lots of nudity, lots of action, quite a few laughs. Obliterated. Wayne, you look... <laughs> what? Hot, hot damn! What? I told you about this show. Yeah, you did! Last week. That's why I said, like, have I heard that before? See Thomas Howe. Ah, uh, yeah, they're, no, <laughs> they're trying to save a Vegas from being blown up by a terrorist bomb. And it's a movie? Nope, TV, TV series. Show, that's eight, right. On Netflix, eight. I think. Yes, 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 yes. Episodes. Someone else recommended it to us as well. No, it was me. It was you? It was okay, I'll look at it, Paul. I'll look at it. It. Oh, no, no, you're right. It was actually Scott. Scott, thank you very much for that. He did tell me to pass on to you, and I did. Word. And you said you'd watch it, and here we are a week later. You can't fucking remember what it is. Oh, no, looking at the little stills from it, I remember this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch that shit. Thank you, David. Thank you, too, Scott. Thank you. <laughs> Joey DiCarlo, <laughs> Onyx the Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls. Imagine someone tells you an extremely unfunny joke. Now imagine the joke lasts two hours. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> Sam Hurley, one of the hosts of the Movie Reviews and 20 Qs podcast. Wonderful show. They've got a few episodes popping up now and again, which is lovely to hear. A murder at the end of the world walks an amazing line that goes between being some of the best TV around than just being absolute cheese. Hmm. Still unsure if I would recommend. I like the honesty. I've heard of this show as well. Interesting. Hmm. I have not. And then last, or second to last, from Mary Clement Hill. Three episodes into the new season of Fargo, and it's fucking awesome to the point where all previous seasons have disappeared. Long live King Ham, which I think is John Ham Wayne, one of your faves. Ooh, nice. And the final word goes to the aforementioned Julio from the Contrarians podcast. He said, The Squid Game Challenge Show. I haven't seen the original show, so maybe that's why I was glued to the screen, but we binged this faster than we binged anything in a while. Have you seen that? We are two episodes in. My wife got bored, tapped out after one episode. I've continue to watch it and she's seemingly been drawn back in because last night we were watching the second episode I think we're now going to see it through we so. may talk about this Ooh. I'll say nothing more okay so best or worst of the year Just maybe another little teaser there and that is what's coming up on the show by the way so next week the worst shows of 2023 followed by the best shows then the worst films and then the best films with Jason from Binge Movies making his long awaited return My to man. the show for that top 10 films of the year episode always one of the biggest ones that we put out Yes. That's it for us today, Wayne. Well, do the good folk get in touch with us or let us know their feedback on, well, the show. Google the Countdown Podcast. Find all of our socials. Join the fuck out of it. Then maybe send us an email at thecountdownpodcast at gmail.com or swing by the website, thecountdownpodcast.com. It annoys the shit out of you, Wayne, (laughs) that you get it right once in a blue (laughs) movie. And so I can't play this. Time for the next But you did anyway because you're (laughs) a cunt. Fuck you. You know, I think you're doing the man a disservice. I think you get that wrong every other week. I'm like, finger poised, and you nail it. That's right, believable. You can like and follow the show through Podpiece, where we host. (laughs) Talked about the Facebook listed community. Wayne's talked about the website. Uh, You can follow us on X at the Countdown PC. That's enough for the socials. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure once again. Hope we've given you something to watch over your Christmas slash New Year period. Merry Christmas, have folks. A, if you are celebrating, have a wonderful Christmas. If you don't, enjoy the end of the year and hopefully a break from your work. That's it. My name is Paul. My name's Wayne. And this has been The Soundboard. Hot damn! Time for the next hey, show. I see a pair oh, of thick, weighty breasts and all logic <laughs> flies out of What the hell is this? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. God, everyone leave. Just go. We'll miss go. you, Captain Holt. Save yourself. Catch you next time. Bye. Now it's over. Oh. And I-